According to Mike and Tony is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Baron Von Pierce. We are back at it again. I'm going to stop sharing my screen, trying to be all fancy over here. It is episode 120, sir. We're back at it. Fourth episode in 2021. How are you sir. feeling? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Now that we're back at it as a regular kind of a deal, um, I do miss sitting across from you, though, Tony. I do miss, <laughs> I do miss seeing that glorious red beard in person. <laughs> you know, dude, it was funny. I was uh, driving home today, and uh, I caught my reflection in the mirror for a second. And I don't know if you could see it. Mm, you, and you almost see- caused an accident? No. <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't <laughs> stop staring into my own dreamy eyes. <laughs> no, uh, dude, my beard is turning white. Because I think I told you this, um, my biological dad, his beard was completely white by the age of 45. So I've always been fearful okay. that that was going to happen to me. And I started noticing it today. I was like, oh, shit, the white is coming. It's starting to come in right here. And yeah. Countdown. Yeah, it's the countdown. countdown. (laughs) Uh, What's up, man? It is so cool to have a really interesting guest on the show today. Um, I'm probably going to mispronounce your name. It's my first time meeting you. Uh, It's Franzo Gilkey. Is that how you say your name? Boom, Franzo Gilkey. Bam. 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 Got better it. Better than most. So. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike was, uh, he sent me some information about your stuff, and it was just really cool um, to have you coming on the show today. I appreciate you being here. You're a native to Colorado. Um, you're a big theater guy. Yes. You kind of have your hands in a lot of stuff. Um, you guys, you, if I'm not mistaken, you're one of the people that started um, the Black Actors Guild, right? Yeah, so it's actually a weird story. I wasn't the original founders of the Black Actors Guild, but um, we had we had the we have a long journey. I was the youngest member of our guild when we first started back when I was like 16, 16 oh, wow. maybe. And throughout the course of those years, I kind of earned my status and my place. Um, and through a lot of crazy shit that happened even amongst our company and within the world. Uh, yeah, the position of power was thrust upon me. Um, it's more of a leadership role. And I've been rocking with it ever since. I love those people like to death. They're like family to me. So um, it's great to be kind of in that environment, you know? Oh, heck yeah, man. Um, no, it's really cool. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was hoping to get a look at some of it before tonight. Um, and so Mike sent me a link to the website and I was checking it out. And I was just super impressed. Um, first of all, you know, just like on a visual side, your guys' website, it's super sleek, super sweet. Um, I noticed it's a Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace is Danny super. Ramos. <laughs> yeah. Danny Ramos, you said? Danny Ramos, yes. He is oh. our web designer. So. Oh, yeah. It's doing Beautiful job over there. Um, but I, I was really fascinated because I saw on there that um, you guys do all kinds of cool stuff. Maybe you can, I guess, before we jump into it, maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, what Black Black Actors Guild is all about, what you guys do, um, and oh, give us sort of a totally. foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So Black Actors Guild started back in 2009. Um, it was made from a group of, what, 18-year-old kids that just graduated DSA. Uh, which for anybody that doesn't know, Denver School of the Arts here in Colorado, um, which is a super big, prestigious, I would say, art school. Um, and yeah, they were probably seven black students that 
really within their time there saw that there really isn't much theater for black actors or um, people of color specifically. And so they honestly just took it amongst themselves graduating and having kind of all that inspiration and talent behind them that they learned to uh, start an organization. And it was kind of within the name change, changing or making of the name of the Black Actors Guild that we wanted to throw people off because most of our content is for anybody. Um, and that was kind of the stigma we wanted to break was that you don't have to be a specific way or look a specific type of way to play a specific role. Um, so yeah, we started that journey way back then um, and it's developed a lot. We used to do kind of SNL style. So we would write for a week and then we would perform at a local theater, um, Crossroads Theater right here in Five Points. And it used to be slamming, it was hot. We did that for like a whole summer. Um, and I was 16, they were 18. So we just always had that kind of drive to inspire, kind of through our art. And from that, it transitioned into um, more, I guess, conscientious theater. So now we do a lot of um, things that are surrounded by, we actually just did a play back in 2020 called Hype Man, which was the surrounding of kind of a local, um, a local music group or hip hop group that was kind of on the verge of their own success and someone in their community dies by the hands of the police. And it was kind of an internal conflict of how do we respond with this? You know, are we super advocating for, you know, let's get justice for this person or do we kind of look at our uh, light and we kind of keep building on what we've been doing. So it's changed throughout the years, but we're in, I think about a hundred schools we've taught at um, throughout the time. And that's our biggest thing is education, you know, trying to teach the, teach the youth and give that, back uh the joy it's a joy oh, that comes dude. With it. dude that is so beautiful and that's what i didn't see coming when i when i checked out the site and i def definitely saw that education is the forefront at the forefront i thought it was amazing it's funny you mentioned that hype man uh because i was reading all about that today um and it looked fascinating in fact i was so interested i clicked to buy a ticket uh not realizing oh. that it was like <laughs> over a long time ago and it was like and i was late. like what <laughs> Yeah, a, well, a little too late uh, as an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I missed it by uh, like a, most of a year there. But no, dude, it sounded fascinating. Um, I'm curious about stuff like that. Like who does, do you guys kind of write together when you do that stuff? Or do you have like a main writer that puts those things together? Yeah, so it's changed hands, I guess, throughout. Um, as far as our content creators right now, it's myself and someone else called Quinn. Uh, Quinn Marchman, wonderful cat, love the dude. Um we handle most of our content creation and what we're building, but as far as writing, it really comes down to the project. So usually for all of our, uh, or I would say usually most of our performances are original content based. So we write everything in-house when we do improv, it's all from our minds. We steal our own ideas and taking them and making them. Um, but as specifically for like Heitman, we actually bought those from a playwright from Chicago who actually just moved here. Um, his name is Idris Goodwin and actually Quinn Marshman were really, really close with him during this project, um, kind of as a directoral um, note slash executive for the project. Um, and yeah, really kind of helped bring his ideas to the project as we worked on it. So in house, I would say there's probably like five of us that are all like ghostwriters, low key, but outside of that, you know, it's on the fly. 
Oh, dude, I love that. I love so much about it, dude. I love, um, I do love that there's like some activism involved in it. There's like, you know, for tackling those tough issues, which I think we need more than ever looking at the state of our country right now and the things we see around us. Um, so I love that you guys are unafraid to just really dive into that stuff. Um, and that struck me. And of course, um, I don't know if Mike told you, I'm a teacher as well. So um, seeing, yes. yeah, and I teach middle school. I teach English language development in middle school. And so I was seeing that like you guys pick a school and stuff like that. And you guys have been so involved with so many different schools dude i think that's pure magic and um i would love to at some point get involved or in any way get you guys involved with my classroom or get my classrooms involved with you guys um please i would love to also um shout out to you for teaching because that's a hard-ass <laughs> thing to do especially the middle schoolers i've had a lot of them come around <laughs> boy, oy, oy. i can only handle them for like an hour so, props <laughs> yeah yeah totally man um thanks dude i appreciate that yeah i love i love my job i love w working with middle schoolers um but you're you're absolutely right that's why i'm glad the classes are about 51 minutes so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's only so much at a time uh no but yeah. uh I just thought that was really cool. I didn't see that coming when I heard uh, Black Actors Guild. I was like, oh, okay, a bunch of theater people sounds cool. I'll check it out. You know, it's funny how our minds always do that. You know, you just got this right. immediate, yeah. you know, you've got these stereotypes or this image in your head of what you're going to find. And when I went on there, it was so amazing to see how much work you guys have done. Um, so, again, man, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing this stuff with us. Oh, no. Again, thank you. Like, honestly, the funniest thing is a lot of people kind of get that with the Black Actors Guild. They're like, oh, my gosh, you guys do so much. And, when it comes down to like the nuts and bolt of it all, we're just like goofy <laughs> nerds that like to make art, you know? Yeah, and I think we're seeing that pattern uh, in our society in general anymore. Um, when you look at things like me and Mike always talk about the Joe Rogan show, you see these like things out there where it's just people just being themselves and those old school days, you know, where everything's scripted and everything is like well planned out and there's, you know, you're you're thinking about your demographic all the time and your market and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I think the best thing is you just have real people being honest and authentic, uh, creating art, putting stuff out there, not being afraid to speak to issues that are happening. And I think the world needs more of it. Um, so it was, uh, it was a pleasant surprise stumbling across all that stuff truly you're right on target like honestly from from my point of view once you start adding like sponsorships and all that money involved you lose so much of that authenticity within that art and that craft that it's not not as fun you know yeah 100 percent um good art i don't think is too calculated it's more just created you know the, I remember when we first started on the podcast dollar and we were so worried about streams and listens and yeah. how we were going to outreach and all this stuff. And then finally we were just like, nah, <laughs> people, if people want to listen, they'll listen. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think it gets in your head, you know, when you're always looking at that. It's It kind of happens, I think, with people in social media and stuff, too. You know, you get addicted to those likes and, you know, you put your post up and you want to see. And it's literally, you know, a chemical reaction in your brain that's happening. We've talked about this on the show many times where you're, you're getting yep. like a, a dopamine hit, you know, from checking that yeah. stuff. And so then when you go to create the actual thing, whatever it is, a podcast, a play, a movie, anything, um, that's going to be on your mind because you're like, oh, I remember last time I did this, we didn't get as many likes. You know, they liked it better when we did this. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's been kind of at the center of our show for a while now. It's just, we just get together and bullshit. To go off your last performance and you think you're better than that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, dude, totally. Um, hey, did I see it right? Did you, um, at some point, did you get into stand-up comedy at all? Yeah. Oh, God, I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so we used to have a theater. Um, we, had, we had an office space before on 14th and Williams inside this um, church that was more spiritual than religious. And in the bottom of it, we built a black box, a black box theater with our own hands. And with that, we did a lot of um, shows on our own, a lot of improv, but we did a series of stand-up shows which all of us tried <laughs> to do stand-up. One of our uh, one of our members, Danny Ramos, actually, he's he's the best stand-up I personally know in Colorado. So he's hilarious. Um, so he was our biggest motivation. We all were young and cocky and we we're like, yeah, we can do stand-up. That's that's easy. What? <laughs> um, so I tried it. Honestly, I want to get back at it probably within the summertime once things start opening back up, but it's difficult. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no fun. doubt. I'm always pushing Pierce. I've told him for years. I think he would make a good stand-up <laughs> comedian. I'm always pushing him, but right? Uh, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but it's With just his personality. Uh, it would come off so easy. Oh yeah, totally. Because he's so natural. Um, but <laughs> mm -hmm. but I think so much of what it is is people. It looks easy when people look at it because somehow they pull off that natural thing too. Um, but I, I follow a lot of comedians. I, I love stand up comedy. That's kind of why I was digging into that with you. I'm excited that you're actually going to try and uh, get out there and get back into it. Um, I would come out 100. Yeah. I'll come out and check out a show. Hell yeah! Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I was going to say Pierce, I because I noticed. I don't know if you guys have any shows coming up, Franzo. But I thought it was pretty dope that you guys also do like the live streaming thing or at least you did for hype man right yeah yeah um actually that was our first interaction or kind of time to even play with virtual was in the storm of hype man um that's just when the whole world was going under quarantine and we knew we couldn't make our budget still take <laughs> for only like 20 people a show um but yeah we actually did also a web series slash kind of podcast where it was called um uh what was it guild talk radio in which we all got together and we did basically improv and kind of debate slash discussion through uh, Zoom as well. And we did that one for about, I think, four months or so. So we got about 12 episodes all down. We would try to do it once a week. Um, but outside of that, it's been really difficult, honestly, trying to find gigs to go through uh, during this time, it's all over the place. So there's yeah. been some places where we're able to go in there, but there's only two of us allowed and we have to do a show um, inside of a crowd of like six and then you leave. <laughs> and then other times they try to have you make a whole video to send to them. Uh, I think we actually did that for MTV over the election time. They called us up and they're like, hey, we'd like for you guys to make kind of just some awareness videos that are low key funny as well. Um, and we just virtually sent those to them and streamed over there in California. So it, you get gigs where they come, you know? Yeah, dude. I, I love that. I love that. And I kind of get some of that. Um, I'm, I'm a musician. I've been playing music for a long time too. Nice. Um, I've, what instrument? I play guitar, sing, I'm a songwriter. Um, pretty much into, That's I don't know, my sexy. reggae <laughs> acoustic. <laughs> sexy instrument. <laughs> yeah right the one that gets all the credit uh, but yeah no so so I understand and I haven't really been performing since I started teaching a couple of years ago um, I've really um, the guitar has kind of gone by the wayside I haven't I, the last performance I did I don't even know Pierce it's been a, at least a year probably two years maybe yeah. um, since I've done anything on stage but I think a lot about my fellow musicians right now and my fellow artists that are out there um, because this has put a real damper on the situation not being able to I mean the whole point is to get crowds together um, and to not really? not be able to do that. Um, I love that you guys are still doing it, though, because I think a lot of people just kind of hung it up and are just sort of chilling. Um, I like that you guys yeah. have sort of been pushing through uh, and trying to do your best. Um, to yeah, keep you know, um, 
we were just like a group of hustlers from the first one up to all the way down our rank. We try to, um, and that's also a thing that since we've grown up um, here in Colorado and as a business for so many years, we know a lot of these artists. So knowing that in the back of our mind, like I'm struggling, so I know they're probably struggling. It's good to know you can do something to try to help someone be able to pay their bills, you know, be able to put food on the table. If it's just a small gig, that's worth $200. Um, so we're super about just the community and trying to make it a means for everybody to live, you know, sustainably and, and nice. Dollar, if I'm not mistaken, like when I was looking at their website at the squad, um, they have a uh, lady on there by the Taylor Marquis. Yes. And I want to say, Dollar, that she was one of our guests at FarmCAD. What was her name? Does that name sound familiar? Say the name again. Kayla Marquis. Oh, yes, Kayla. Definitely. She performed at FarmCAD two different times, a yep. solo acoustic yep. artist. Uh, yep. Yeah, I really enjoyed her music. Uh, we connected quite a bit, actually. We talked about getting together. Um, she was, I, if I'm not mistaken, she was kind of just starting out then. I remember she had her yes. mom with her and stuff that was promoting yep. her. Um, yeah. Her mom was with her, yeah. Heck, yeah. I totally yeah, remember her. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, when I was going through the squad, I was like, I was like, wait a second. It's like, we know this girl. <laughs> I was like, this is Kayla. She performed at FarmCAD. That's when she was starting out. Yeah. Did we do an interview with her too? I don't remember. We I know. did like a brief interview with her. And okay. I think I, I tried to go back and uh, listen to the, uh, the old FarmCAD episodes, but those are like three, Bro. four years back. Yeah. yeah and all so, those are so long and there's like yeah. so many interviews spliced into those like good luck finding that thing um we yeah, should try i'll see crazy. if i can dig it out though um maybe even we could put put it on the reverb or something uh yeah that's pretty cool man dang what a small yeah. world i yeah. know i remember <laughs> she used to literally serenade a whole group of like 75 people in a small little theater mm. with yep. just twinkly lights around her and it was it was amazing beautiful so, voice yeah, Taylor yeah. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful soul. Shout out to Kayla. I want to kind of see what she's up to lately. I want to I want to go take a look. Yeah, she see. actually um her and another friend of ours called Sir Els, they just put a full kind of band together and I think their album released yesterday. Oh wow. Oh, oh beautiful. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check the that Grand out. Grand Alliance, I think. Okay. Maybe even we'll reach out to her, Mike. It'd be cool to kind of yeah, bring her back. Definitely. And, yeah, I kind of want to yeah. touch base with a lot of musicians right now. Just see what everybody's doing, how they're holding up and uh it's just been a struggle. Those are the ones that I think I feel a little less bad for. Because musicians, you can make music anywhere and just stream it out to us all. Yes. So I know live, live performance is a way different thing, but I'm like, oh, man. It must be <laughs> easy to be a musician just a little bit. No, you got a solid point there for sure. Um, yeah, comedy too. Because I know that for a while there's even stand-up comedians trying to do the Zoom thing. Um, which is, yikes. You know, that's like so... Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, know, you can't read... You can't read an audience on a Zoom call. You know dude, what I mean? Like, dude, I'll tell you, when when my middle school... Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Franz. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was riffing. I was going on, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, when my middle school classes switched to online, that is the some of those are the most awkward situations I've ever been in my life because everybody's got their mics <laughs> muted, you know? Like, in a theater, <laughs> yeah. you can hear every sound when the crowd's kind of collectively making noises, whether good or bad, you can kind of feel that and vibe off of it. Um, but when you're in a Zoom and everybody's muted and they're just watching you, uh, it's just kind of awkward. Uh, for stand-up comedians <laughs> in particular, but also, I imagine, improv, all that stuff uh, is a real... Oh, yeah, it's... It's weird performing like I, honestly you grow up kind of at least for me I grew up 
getting used to performing small, like in front of small audiences for a good point of our like first bring up, we didn't have but maybe like 12 people. Um, and then we got to being comfortable with like 75 and 100 people. So then to go back down to only being like 20, it's very weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I still enjoy like everybody's energy that they bring. And I think honestly, it's a little bit more intimate now than it was before. But that same degree, it's, it's, I miss those days where you could be like, oh yeah, let's just all cheer and let's bang out. I'm, um, I'm teaching classes right now. I have a group of third and fourth graders, uh, that I'm working with and yeah, online is a lot different as far as teaching. <laughs> it yeah. is way harder. Yeah, way harder. And and I think uh, one thing I noticed, because you were talking about how tough middle schoolers can be, is they're way easier online, though. Like, the problem online is engagement and getting people to talk and engage in the conversations, um, but you don't have the same stuff. You don't have people throwing stuff in class or, you know, messing around, getting out of their seat and, you know, jacking around in some other way. Um, so we got rid of that. So it was, it was that was a weird transition for me, was seeing, like, all these students that I had last year um, that were just crazy in class, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden in the Zoom setting, they were totally different. They're really quiet they're kind of shyer to speak and yeah all of a sudden everybody was good for you tony <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i could turn it off so they can't chat with each other you know so they can't be talking <laughs> yeah yeah what it's it's just so nuts one thing with the music i think about was like watching like all the inauguration stuff i was watching all the you know the performances or whatever and i was thinking about like these big shot musicians that are really making uh bank and you know they're they're i'm sure they're struggling right now to a certain extent um but they're pretty much sitting on a lot of their history uh, but it was crazy to watch because so many times like Super Bowl performances and big performances like at ina inaugurations and stuff, it's uh, it's like you're always just a little nervous whenever I watch them. I'm a little nervous for them because stuff can go wrong so quickly and so easily. And it can be anything from a sound issue to a flub from the vocalist or whatever. Um, but watching the, watching the inauguration, I was like, these lucky bastards, like everything is pre-recorded. Like you all sounded stellar. Like everything was totally yeah. amazing. You know, <laughs> I was trying to explain it. No one, no one really notices that too. I was trying to, I was telling one of my fellow teachers, I was trying to tell my wife, I was like, well, they got it pretty good because they can pre-record everything and then they're basically lip syncing uh, and they're just like really right? i'm like you don't notice how amazing that sounds like the perfect amount of reverb and <laughs> i don't think they plan this out like. yeah. <laughs> or especially like the but Justin to be fair though like yeah. lady gaga does sound like amazing live though Oh, tr oh no, no doubt. I'm not taking any way, anything away from any of those musicians. Um, they just get, to, it's like that extra polish, you know what I mean? Like every, yeah. not a single yeah. missed note, like nothing. Um, they which, have to take out the birds in the background and stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah. pristine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but in a way, I guess you could make the argument what you were saying too, Franz. So it takes a little bit of that like rawness out of it, that raw, authentic well, you know, it also was weird, like, you know, like New Year's and stuff. I mean, we didn't have a chance to talk about that, you know, like dropping the ball and stuff. Did you, did anybody watch any New Year's stuff? No. Like, I watched like some of the, the balls drop, you know, you could go to like to different channel and see like different people performing and stuff like that. This year, nothing, man. I mean, they did have like, everybody was like live streaming from their house and like doing different things. So it was like a different setting, you know, and you're just like, damn, dude. And like the streets of New York were just empty. I did you know they when they were dropping the ball and um yeah and then it was funny because uh, my wife was watching the uh the garth brooks christmas special <laughs> dude and it was like and it was like live and it was yeah. out of their house so it was him and his wife you know and um it was just like it was weird and awkward 
because it was like they'd get times where it was just be like quiet and then he'd start like playing on the guitar <laughs> like yeah yeah no doubt that's something i'm noticing like all the uh streaming performances from people's houses i'm like they have some nice houses right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> like you're doing all right <laughs> yeah you're doing all right like yeah. that marble back there? Yeah. <laughs> or then when you start seeing people doing it from their actual studios in their house, then you're like, damn, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, wow. Rub it <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That whole thing did seem weird. I didn't see anything New Year's Eve night, but I did. I was, I don't know if I was reading or maybe I did watch a little bit of the stream uh, the next day, like Mario Lopez with the, uh, what's the parade? The, the New Year's Day parade or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching that, and that was so weird. He was like, it looked like he was literally sitting on his bed. I'm like, he's got his dog. He's all petting his dog in his lap. I'm like, this is crazy, man. We were living in a movie or something. Can't believe how bizarre yeah. it's all gone. And what's up with that dude? Like, he has not aged at all. Like, he looks like he's still on, what was uh, Saved by the Bell or whatever? Yeah, dude. Yeah. He still does. <laughs> he looks exactly the same. It's kind of kind they, of weird. They have to have a full, like, nutritionist. They pay at least $20 million a year or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how they're doing it. Otherwise, besides surgery. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. He does look a little funny. Maybe he's got some surgery. I don't know. Speculation. I have no, no idea. No, he takes <laughs> IGF, you guys. What do you got there? That's what he takes. That looks like my CBD, bro. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a deer antler velvet deer antler velvet okay yeah what it helps it? with like with recovery and stuff like that what is it you, is also that a, recovery. a spray or yeah it's a spray you just spray it under your tongue oh okay yeah just like the so it's a anti-aging kind of like muscle really? healer ish kind of a deal so. just generally yeah, what happens if you take too much <laughs> um they have different levels Okay. Like, there's like oh, okay. ten thousand. There's twenty five thousand, and there's seventy five thousand. I only take ten thousand. Gotcha. Um, but they have like stuff that is like crazy out there. But yeah, I mean, you're supposed to spray like three times in your mouth, three times a day. Oh gosh. Gotcha. And I use it because I honestly feel like it helps me because like my shoulder, like I haven't had any issues with my shoulder um, right. since using this stuff. And so I used to get like a little pinch. All th- Remember Dollar? Like you? Oh yeah little pinch and so but now i don't i have no issues at all and and that coincided with when you started taking that stuff yep oh dope and that's uh deer antler velvet was supposedly what ray lewis used when he broke his arm and came back so quickly that year okay okay now hold up though is that (laughs) the name of it or that's literally what it what did you call it deer is deer antler velvet is that literally what it is it comes off it's that stuff off really Yep. I feel like I might have heard about That's that before. Cool, yeah. So. <laughs> Doing like, hey. Where'd you get it from? Where can I go, go, can I go grab some? Online? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, you go on, you can, like, there's supplement stores that have it and everything like that, too. So it's not, like, illegal or anything. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some shady-ass website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you get some rhino horn there, too, as, as well? <laughs> <laughs> let me get some of that. Let me get some of that uh, ivory lotion. Uh, dude, I'm noticing your shirt. Can you can you hold that shirt up for me? I kind of want to see what your shirt says, Pierce. Oh yeah, Franzo was asking earlier. Uh, the Dadalorian, like a dad, just way cooler. See, also handsome, exceptional. The only reason I ask is my shirt here. I've got Super Dad, but it's like, oh, dang, dude, we're like just the, a bunch of bunch of old dudes. Yeah, wearing <laughs> old dude shirts. I've got that old other one. Shirts. <laughs> I got I'm one not says, a dad, so I can't wear one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could join the club. You're welcome. 
Uh, honorary member. Okay. Honorary member. Inducted tonight, this moment. Uh, no, dude, and remember I had that other one that's Fothor? It's like Thor, yeah. but Foth, yeah. Stupid, cheesy jokes. <laughs> My students have realized I love stupid, cheesy dad jokes, so they're always putting them in the chat now for me. I'm like, here's another one for you. <laughs> Like, it's funny because some of the kids get pissed. They're like, that is ridiculous. You know, and some That's of the ridiculous. kids are actually finding it funny. Stop it. Stop um, so, but So, Franzo, I forgot if you fully answered that. Do you guys have anything coming up? Or is there any kind of way we could go to a show or um, catch something streaming or yes. anything? So, we're actually in, um, we're in a crazy, I think, kind of with the new year starting and how last year ended. Uh, not knowing how we we're going to go into it with COVID and quarantine. We're taking the beginning part of this year kind of for some internal uh, reflection and building. We're kind of reworking our team, restructurizing our team uh, into some new departments. So shows wise, we're on hold for the time, but um, we do have a lot of things that have been in the work. So like, I know me personally, I'm a part of a project that low key is tied to the Black Actors Guild um, just because it's one of our other members, Quinn. We do a lot of things together. You'll see me and that man's face everywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, we have a show coming up in March, actually through this group called Rainbow Militia, and they're a really sick group. Um, they do a lot of circus acts and things, but they also bring storytelling along with the journey. Um, we've worked with them prior back in October for the show we did that was called Death's Unraveling, which was like an immersive haunted house that told the story or slash celebration of death. Um, and it had like nine different rooms that were all occupied by different artists. And you kind of made your own story, figured out how you circulated and you used your art within that form. So they're bringing another show back um, called Celestial Chaos, which is surrounding Greek mythology. And it's going to be really, really dope. They're actually using a lot more aerialist, juggling, um, other circus acts that I can't think of right now. But yeah, it's going to be really sick. I'm working up with the ladder, like wow. 16 feet tall ladder that's going to be off the ground. So Damn, uh, that sounds dope. <laughs> I think I saw some of that because I checked out your Facebook page too. Um, and I saw something okay. about that. That looked pretty crazy. Yeah. Even just the makeup alone looked pretty ridiculous. Um, so that's... Yeah, that's They're talented folks. Um, they're working with some people called Shiki Dreams and Priz Magic, which are also... Denver local uh, artists that are on some really, really dope stuff. They made, actually, I think they have a spot right next to East High School. Um, and it's a little immersive theater, and they make everything in-house from, I think, recycled material, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but no. you would never tell the difference. Oh, man. That's amazing. I like everything about yeah. that. Um, that's cool. Maybe we could check it out in March, Pierce. I'm gonna, I made a note of that here. Yeah, well, I always like um when he when uh, Franzo posts this like the pictures and stuff like uh, the are we still cool stuff that he did. He had that all over his Instagram, and I don't know if you checked that out on their website, but a lot of that stuff was super unique and very artistic. Um, and the the photos, man, those are like super clear HD photos that they that whoever took those with, man. Oh well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, are we still cool with a project that was um done by the creative content or creative director was Christina Pitaluga, which she is also part of the Black Actors Guild. But yeah, it was kind of this thought of redefining or relooking at uh, male strength and masculinity and kind of the forms in which it shows. Boom, all these yep. pictures right here. 
Um, so yeah, they had a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds and ways they identified in which we just kind of sat together, talked about what it is to be a male, where a lot of our strengths come from, a lot of the people that uh, we get those from, a lot of ways that we still lack, you know, being able to uh, be in touch with our more feminine side or even masculine side. So we did this wonderful thing within, I think, two days. Um, we shot all these photos and we had the people come in and this actually happened right before COVID. I think this happened, yeah, this happened March of last year. So right before everything got shut down mid-March, we got that project out and it's it's been really dope. We had it over at Coffee at the Point um, down in Five Points for a little while. And then you can see that we're obviously selling copies for a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's dope, man. I love it. I thought that that looks really amazing too. Um, dude, you got your hands in all kinds of stuff. Um as so, as a you're obviously clearly a very creative person. Um, what drives you to create? Like, where do you think you get like your inspiration from, or like, what's your real purpose? Like, what makes you want to be so creative? Or is it, maybe honestly, it comes naturally. Uh, to be honestly, I think acting and being like being within the realm of acting has always spoken to me, just as even as a kid. But I think the moment I notice that I needed to do this and able to like be a person was around honestly i want to say like ninth grade uh i remember i took off a whole year i just i didn't do any acting because it was i was going to be in freshman and i was like no i got studies and other shit to do and i remember after that whole year i just looked at myself and i wasn't the same person like i was i was super uh, introverted and I didn't talk as much and I was very quiet, which I've always been like a quiet person, but outside the normal. So I was like, damn, I just feel off. And then ever since then, um, I felt a calling. Like every time I'm on stage, there's that flow state. There's that flow energy feel to where everything's moving right. Everything's working. Um, you know, you don't feel that all the time, but when I do, it makes sense for everything else that I'm doing in the world, you know? And I think, just throughout that time, it's helped me express so many other avenues that I wouldn't before. Because I mean, being an actor allows me to play so many characters that me, myself, maybe I wouldn't have thought of their perspective um, or how, how they would do stuff. So it's really helped me as far as seeing the world in a bigger picture and the ways we connect and the different ways that everybody can be in a situation or do a certain thing if motivated in the right way or wrong way, you know? So I love the stories too, like telling a story. There's so many different ways to do it. That's why we love National Geographic and all the Mandalorian, all these other ways that they tell the story. That that's one thing I just always want to do is figure out different ways to tell the story for communities I would want to be from, or like I feel I am a part of. You know? Oh, that's dope, dude. I love that you mentioned too as being an actor, like you get to try on all these different personalities and stuff. I, I acted in high school. I did a lot of theater um, ninth grade through my senior year, and then that was pretty much it. I just stopped doing it. Um, but I remember that. That was so fun and exciting, like getting to know whatever character you're playing and like becoming someone else in some way. Um, that's really cool, yeah. dude. Sounds like it's just in you. Yeah, I remember being super. I think that honestly threw me off because when I was, you're super young, you had, you don't know what, like, 
bro is. You, know, you don't know what careers are specifically. So like, I remember growing up and I totally thought acting was something different. I thought you just got on stage and you did whatever the fuck you wanted to do. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, great job, great job. <laughs> <laughs> Finding out that it's so, it's it's difficult work. Um, and honestly, I think if I was as smart to know how difficult it is now, I wouldn't have done this as a kid. I would have been like, nah. I'll just be a carpenter. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Interesting to think that with if you knew then what you know now, you may not have ever yeah barked yeah, on the yeah, journey yeah. in the first place. But it's a wonderful journey. I'm glad, and obviously, it's led to wonderful avenues like being on your guys' show. So I'll take it. You know. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. Um, no, I love it. Mike, I, I'm curious. Did you ever do anything like that in high school? Did you ever do get into acting or any artsy type of stuff? Or No, I mean... <laughs> no. <laughs> That's no. just a straight no. <laughs> I mean, so like like in high school, like when I was like running for like like vice president and stuff like that for like student council and everything like that, I like recorded and like did my own like videos, you know, you do like promotional videos that you had. And... Uh, um, a lot of my video was edited and um, <laughs> they didn't allow a lot of the stuff at the time. Um, one of the things that they, you know, they took out, it was funny because that was when um, uh, Bill Clinton was getting impeached for the, um, you know, the whole, the whole uh, I did not have sexual relations with Miss Lewinsky. And so there was, you know, one of the things that I said, was like I said that uh, I'll never. I was like I'll never. I'll never take any bribes. You know I'll never be influenced <laughs> by anybody. And I had money pop up from underneath the desk. <laughs> and I was like painted painted nails, and I was all uh, like that. <laughs> and they took that away. And so yeah, I didn't win. Oh, like, man. I didn't. <laughs> That's cool to hear. But no, but like the same kind of line. Like um, it's it's so funny because like. I've always been interested in, I want to like, you know, reach shorts. like um, Matt Weitzel, one of our pre uh, previous guests, uh, mm -hmm. Tony, you know, Tony, you worked with him. Oh yeah. Um, we'd talked about, you know, writing like little sketches and little shorts of like commercials and stuff. You know, we had talked about like, you know, this uh, leprechaun laundry detergent and how <laughs> it was so magical and this and that. And, and we came up with all these different things, but um yeah, that's always still something I've kind of always wanted to pursue and, and, you know, maybe do is kind of write little sketches of shorts. Honestly, you should, because <laughs> <laughs> from even the small conversations we've had, you have the stories there. And I hate <laughs> traditional theater. Like growing up, it's very difficult to get behind. Um, but right, like you figure it out as you go along and even writing sketches now, I personally, I'm that of a writer. Um, as far as how I format my writing, I don't think it's traditional. Like, I'm sure if I went to college, they'd be like, oh, this is terrible. This <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, putting the words on the paper, it all seems to work out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we get a little something going in the summer, Pierce. When I've got some more free time. I'd be down to do something like that. That sounds fun. There you go. Yeah. Maybe we can pull in some of these uh, masters over here. Maybe we can get Franzo involved with us and help us <laughs> shed a little light on what the hell we're doing <laughs> yeah it's funny that was interesting to hear mike just the fact i was first of all just shocked i didn't even know i just learned that about you i didn't know you ever ran for office like in high school and stuff like that yeah well i mean i was in like you know i was in 
FBLA. I was in, you know, student council and everything like that. So, I mean, I did get on to student council, but it was obviously like a lesser of a role. Um, but yeah, I was like in a lot of clubs and pretty social. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I think it's hilarious. You thought you could get away with like the money thing. (laughs) I mean, you know, as kids, you do think you're invincible. So I will say it's (laughs) (laughs) what I want. Let's just say I was ahead ahead of my time. You guys, I was ahead of my time. I I knew what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't ready for me. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. (laughs) Uh, You know, something we, we always do, Mike, we got to ask the question, right? Yeah. uh, Every time we have a guest that's never been on the show, we always have to get this question in here. Um, So if you were stuck on a desert island, uh, I don't know how old you are, but a lot of times people get stuck on the album thing because so many people just listen to singles and stuff like that now. Uh, But if you were on on a desert island, you have everything you need to survive the rest of your life, you're comfortable, you got food and and shelter and all that good stuff, uh, and you have a way to listen to music, however, you only get one album for the rest of your life, what is your album? Jeez, okay, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. People hate this question because we just drop it on you, and then we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. go, and it's like you gotta think about it for a minute. Like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I think I have my answer, but okay, can I hear yours first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that against the rules? Dollar, go ahead. Uh, mine is uh, Bob Marley's "Catch a Fire." Uh, it Ooh, came out in 1973. Okay. Uh, it's a fire album. It's got Concrete Jungle. It's got some great songs on it. Uh, and I feel like I used to have that. I used to have a little pickup truck I drove around, and I had it on cassette in there. And I would literally just listen to it over. I mean, I listened to it for years over and over, so I know I could tolerate it for a very long time. Uh, that's mine. Uh, go ahead, Pierce. Mine is everyone always gets surprised about it, but the people that really know me aren't surprised because they know I like music a lot. Um, mine is Earth, Wind, and Fire, Gratitude. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah! <laughs> uh, I mean, Tony, you're both like '70s style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang, y'all made me want to switch my era. I'm gonna say what I have. Um, I'm gonna say Frank Ocean's Blonde. Ooh. That Frank Ocean's Blonde album. I don't know. That gets me through any time, no matter what I'm going through. Okay. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. Put on some Frank Ocean Blonde. I'm gonna be chill. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things you got to think through, right? Because it's like the only music you're ever going to hear on the island ever again. Higher time. Yeah, so you got to have something like that. You also have to think like enough records so that it doesn't get boring on at least 12. Oh, yeah. That's what I think. You have to at least have 12 records. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got to have, uh, plus, and, and on your album, you got, you got to have lots of tracks, right? You can't have, oh, yeah. you can't have like the, you can't have an EP <laughs> with like four. <laughs> got four tracks. <laughs> I thought this was you know what used be- to make me mad, though. Like back in the day when, when uh, you did buy like a CD or an album or anything like that, and you bought it because of one particular song that was fire. And you're like, yeah, dude, this song is dope. This whole, this whole album is going to be dope. And then you play the whole album. And you're like, damn, <laughs> you get I just paid, I just paid $14 for a single. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a real problem. That used to be a real problem in music, right? Yeah. Because that was the whole idea. They'd sell you on this one song and then they just throw a bunch of fluff in there. Uh, and sell it as an album when really quite frankly you're literally right it was a, meant to be a single that's what it should have been in the first yep. place um, <laughs> wasted all that money 
Yeah, and I, it's them. it's kind of cool now though because I think a lot of that's going away because um, music has really really changed. Usually when we ask that question, a lot of people do struggle with the album thing because they're like, oh, I don't really listen to albums. Not very many people still listen to albums, uh, especially younger people like my kids and stuff. They're like album, like what are you, what are you it's, talking about? It's hard to find a good album out here, like especially as music. Like you're saying as music progresses, I would even when you. Uh, you give the que- gave the question to me. I was thinking, I was like, oh man, I don't want to give any artists that I've listened to in the past like two years because even though I love them, I don't know where I'm going to listen to them in the next five to seven. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's really hard. I would say there's even now, I can only think of maybe two artists that are even relevant that I would listen to their entire like track without skips. But outside of that, I was going to go Michael Jackson. Who? Going to be my second choice. Yes, personally, that's Mo's. Was it? Was it Mo's? It was. I think so. I don't even remember. I don't remember what What he said. I thought maybe. I don't know. He's a '70s guy, so I would have thought it was something like that, but I don't know. I could see it. That's not a bad way to go at all, man. One of the greatest. I think that's actually. I think that's also uh, Bruce Leroy's, right? Uh, yes, I think yeah. Bruce Leroy did say that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's not a bad way to go. One of the greatest of all times. What a talented dude that guy was, man. Singing, dancing, everything all combined. Just, just pure fire. Um, but I mean, I was reading, I was reading facts on that thing that it was still like the most, like it was still in the Billboard top 100 as of like just like a couple of years ago. Still, like, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no he was doubt. The king of pop for a reason. Yeah, he was a smart dude too. Like he bought the, didn't he own all the Beatles stuff? He bought all the Beatles stuff. Or do yeah. I? Did I get that backwards, or was it Paul? Mc- no, I believe it was. I believe Michael Jackson think, at one yeah, point. Yeah, he, oh, he uh, Sony had sold all their stuff to, uh, sold it all off, and then Michael Jackson bought it all. <sighs> yeah, crazy to be Michael Jackson and also own all the Beatles stuff. Like, wow, it's a <laughs> giant chunk of music history there. Super, super flex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I own all the Beatles stuff. What's up? Uh, no, dude, I think uh, back to albums for a second. I really think there was an art to it. Like when I say catch a fire, I really love it. Like it, it like builds, you know what I mean? Like each song kind of leads into the next one. They're all sort of connected. Um, and I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. It's really about the the one hit and the song. And truly, I guess it kind of was for a lot of artists, especially in like, I don't know, probably from the 90s and through the the early 2000s. That's really what was happening until we finally just fully embraced as a society. We just like singles. We like MP3 players when those were coming out and everything. And it's like you just have your playlist where you put all your favorite stuff together. And like you said, you don't always listen to the same thing. Um, But I'm an old dude, dude. I will listen to Bob Marley albums just back to back to back to back. And then again, (laughs) the next day, put them on again. Uh, But I do listen to a lot of other music too. But there used to be a real art to that, um, putting it together. It was almost like a movie, you know, like it would take you through a series of emotions. The and- inserts and the inserts and everything, too. Oh, yeah. Liminals, the little. <laughs> and, and I always liked all the stuff in between songs, too, like like uh, Doggy Style. Like if you listen to that album, like there's all yes, the yep. in-between stuff where they're talking, yep. you know. And, yeah. You got to love the ad-libs. They, yes. I'm telling you, artists stopped getting creative. They started thinking that, oh, let me just put out songs instead of let me put out like a body of work. Let me put out something that's a concept that has meanings. I think the last person I heard recently was Gibeon. Uh, his latest album was, I think, called Take Time, something like Yeah, Take Time. That was the last thing I heard that had an actual, like, fluid story or um, concept throughout the whole thing where you're like, oh, okay, these songs mean something and they kind of relate to each other. 
Yeah, absolutely. Kind of have like that coherent theme all throughout. You don't, yeah, you, you know, just like don't. Kendrick did with Butterfly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it does still happen. Some artists still do embrace it, but uh, increasingly less and less. Of I them. think Kendrick Lamar does it pretty good too, where he does a whole body of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a few gems out here we still got. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's not totally not totally gone but i think so much of it was it what's it's happened in a lot of industries really it's that calculation and you get a team right so instead of like uh, me sitting in my basement writing or like when when i hung out with dom remember we're writing together and we're sitting there coming up with music uh you get these teams of people you know and they've studied this and they've calculated and they, they're looking at all these demographics they're looking at these numbers and they're like okay nope actually could you make the hook a little bit can you can you take it up i want it to sound a little more like this if you speed uh, up the tempo we'll get like 10 percent more audience members. yeah <laughs> Right. And that's the problem, right? You get all these non-creative people involved in the creative process. And that's really what kills it and just kind of just destroys everything. Because not only does it take the authenticity out, but it just turns it into a business model. It's like a mathematical calculation. And you yeah. get these songs. Yeah. It's, it's honestly the same thing happening for a lot of like bigger movies. You know, all these people are fans that are coming out saying that they hated what they did to the content or what happened, like, for example, the Star Wars series. Um, I know a lot of people hated how they, they really told the story for that. And it's like, well, you have people that wanted to get the movie out quicker and wanted to sell certain products. So they kind of rushed things along and they switched out the editing so that it's not the same movie you expected it to be. Yeah. Oh, 100% comes back to what we we're talking about you know to me creativity is like dude kids get it better than anybody else it's like just having fun like the it's the act of having fun making something out of nothing like to me that's pure magic and that's the magic of it um but when you start getting so bold with it yeah absolutely don't care. <laughs> dude, i had i had uh, uh one assignment i had uh, my students do was this i am poem um where i gave them sort of a a, a loose template to work uh, to work from uh, and they just had to write a poem about expressing who they were in different ways and dude my mind was blown because it wasn't so much that it was like this beautiful perfect poem type of thing it was just that it was so raw so real honest from the heart and it was like experiences there's no way somebody could have just made this up like this is coming from real life experience yeah. you know straight from their heart onto the paper um yeah so those are the moments right there too where you're like this is life this is those good juicy moments that you don't get anywhere else that authenticity yeah back in the back in the day they had that uh real funny one the the john mayer and i always make fun of tony because tony like likes john mayer <laughs> And then I started to like him too because Tony was like showing me like, dude, he's like, he has a, he's a good musician, you know. Look good. At oh, I was like, okay, I was like, he's all right, but he has this one thing he did a long time ago, uh, a sketch on college humor, and he was talking about like you know the the ins and out of making a John Mayer song, and they had like people in there, and um, uh, what was it? Uh, who's in this skit? Like Jay McCool, like all these people are in it, and they're like, okay, so let's sit down. They're all brainstorming at this table, and he was like, man. Loves woman, man tries to get with woman, man confesses love to woman, and you know a nice little guitar riff in there. Let's see how that goes. And then John Mayer like looks at them. He's like, "Look, why can't we just do something that's a little bit more relatable to the people? Like, you know, like when you're fucking a supermodel and then you don't call her back the next day." Was, you know what let's go with that. let's go with that roll that up and let's do that <laughs> and he was like didn't he have like the roller shoes on for the whole episode he's like yeah he had, he had a heely on and, oh yeah and he was like God. in his bluetooth he had two bluetooth <laughs> in his ears 
<laughs> so he was like, like, John Mayer here. Yeah, John Mayer. And he was just like, go back. Dude, <laughs> he's, he's actually secretary. Sup- and his secretary had a tight white t-shirt and it says, my body is your wonderland. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually surprisingly funny, dude. He's got a pretty good yeah. sense of humor. Um, yeah, I remember I saw John Mayer on, I think it was Dave Chappelle's show one of the first times. Yeah, with the... Yeah. With the black, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the funniest sketches. I was like, "Okay, this is hilarious." <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that one, Dollar? Uh, no, I haven't. What, what so it's one about? where it was like, it was like, "What happens if um, uh, rock and roll music is presented to people, white, white people, and look like in random places?" And he was like, bow, 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 bow. "He's like playing like some rock riff, right?" And then all these people are like, "Yeah, yeah!" Like start, <laughs> start getting rowdy. Like cubicle office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all getting rowdy and like ladies are like taking off their shirts and everything like throwing around and then he was like you know, trying different things and he's like he's like now they go to a barber shop and they do oh, that and they start playing like the rock and roll music and like all the like barbers are like this like just looking at him play the guitar like what is he doing right like, grab some no. drums yeah yeah he goes, now let's put some drums in here and then it quests love pop out of oh, nowhere yeah. he started playing the drums and then everyone's like, oh, dang, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they were like, now let's add a little bit of saxophone and let's see what that does with the Latinos. And all of a sudden, the Latinos are all, like, <laughs> dancing around. God, I do miss that show. Talk about bold. Talk about authentic and creative, man. Yeah. He really didn't think he was going to have, uh, after first season, I'm sure he thought it was going to get canceled. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guarantee that. Uh, no, it's it's, and you know what's sad about that too is him talking about it. I don't know if you, I know you know this, Pierce, but like he doesn't make a dime off of that anymore because um, they were they were streaming it. Uh, I was bummed out because remember Pierce, I just discovered it was on Netflix, and I was like, yeah. "Holy shit, I'm going to watch all of it!" And I started going through the episodes, and then one day I went back, and it was just gone. And I was like, "What happened?" But then I heard the backstory where Chappelle was talking about it, and he was saying he reached out to Netflix because he was like, "Yo, do you guys realize that I don't make shit on this? Like they took the whole thing from me, like every bit of." My money is going straight to it's comedy central right or i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah it is comedy central i think um and so i mean that's a sad thing but what was really cool about it was netflix because he was like listen you know i don't have any legal right or anything i just think it's kind of fucked up that you're playing it and uh, i'd appreciate it if you would take it off of your platform and netflix yeah. was like you got it dave and they took it off right. well which, because he did, he signed the multi you know deal with them with Netflix themselves, so they was it's, you know he has exclusive stand up only through them. So yeah, they were like, oh yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> we don't mess up our other money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe I'm being a little optimistic. Maybe there was some financial uh, uh, motivations there as well. Um, but there is, I did find a really cool YouTube video of Chappelle explaining the whole thing. Uh, it came out recently too. I think he just put it out like in 2020 or something like that. Um, actually, if you haven't, go check out dave Chappelle shit from 2020 on youtube he's got a few things on there that are just fire dude like some of it's uh, super funny and some of it's just him talking and like telling and that's one of them he's telling the story about like how he got he was young and dumb and he got into this dumb contract and then he had this show just explode and then they just took the whole thing from him and he was like yo i'm out and that's when he went to africa and all that so so he talks about all that stuff which is really uh really interesting but it is I like to think that those things are going away, you know, like those big industries where they just kind of corrupt 
all that stuff. And you hope that, you know, with the advent of the, the internet coming along and, and making everything accessible to everybody, stuff like us doing this, Pierce, can you imagine trying to do this show in 1993, trying to get like on the radio or something like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Cut it off right now. <laughs> hey, it's the Mike and Tony show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Where you got to keep all your uh, sponsors happy and all that kind of bullshit. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, like- for a while we were, um, I think I told that uh, this to you, Franzo. For a while, we were on a um, uh, Detroit radio, and Tony had to go through like every episode that we loaded up, and he had to go through and like edit like all the cuss words out and everything. And <laughs> I can't even believe I was willing to do that. It's so terrible. When I think back to it, I'm like, it wasn't even the same show. You can't. How, how in the hell did we even do that? No, I feel that I do a lot of um, editing work, so I have to do like editing for our videos and stuff, and I hate it sometimes. You're like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, Pierce, that's what I love most about this show. I don't do shit, bro. We turn on <laughs> we hit record. <laughs> we hit record. We mess around as long as we want to. We end it. I hit go and we upload it and we are done. That's yep. pretty much it. Um and I've kind of gotten that way. Like I'm gonna I'm planning to record a bunch of music this coming summer. Um and that's the the way I'm gonna go with it. Cause I used to spend hours, you know, fine-tuning every little track and doing all that. And I think the best thing to do, I'm gonna just turn on the microphone, grab the guitar. Um I've got my kid I have three kids and I've got they're all uh musicians too now. Um I don't know, you haven't heard him any of them play at any point, huh, Pierce? Uh, Jillian's playing the piano now and Jaden's uh he started off on drums and now he's like giving me a run for my money on guitar like he's picking it up oh. crazy fast uh <laughs> okay. and then Jesse's a singer and stuff so I'm gonna try and get them to do some stuff but I think I'm moving away from that I was literally remember when I was doing the whole licensing thing I did this thing where I was trying to I was literally seeking out uh, making money out of music licensing uh which this is it's like everything we're talking about dude it was like and I worked really <laughs> hard at it for a while you remember that Pierce I came up with all kinds yeah. of stuff lot of cool stuff i ended up working on a movie and stuff doing some scoring uh and it was fun but like domino's pizza oh yeah yeah i had a well not like a tv commercial it was uh when you call (laughs) up the phone and there's music in the background uh i had some music and again it was like you it was in california actually is where where that was played but but yeah it that whole thing was was a weird experience because um it was exactly the shit I'm talking about that I don't like, where you have to like really think through like like they would give us themes and stuff that we had to write about. I was I was taking classes and stuff on this, and I don't even know where I was going with this. This is like a dead. End. <laughs> I don't want to go down this road. This is terrible. <laughs> My ugly past. <laughs> this became a story of nostalgia. <laughs> um, Pierce, not to change directions too quickly, but I have to ask you: Did you get a chance to listen to that? the uh travis walton podcast the joe rogan you did listen oh my yeah. god do you know who travis walton is by chance franzo no he's the, uh if, you, if you've ever heard of it there was a movie that came out in like i want to say it was actually 1993 i think i just mentioned that year a minute ago uh, maybe that's why <laughs> but uh there was a movie that came out called fire in the sky and it was the story about this dude who claimed to have been abducted by aliens uh and he it was like it was like all that where a lot of those traditional um, accounts come from, like little gray men with the big eyes and all this shit. Um, but it was a huge, huge movie because supposedly he was telling the truth. A lot of people have tried to discredit him for years, um, but he came on the Joe Rogan podcast and like shared his perspective and his whole story. And it is wild dude it's wild because now that you've got the government coming out and saying hey look there's actually we have ufo contact it's out there it's real and then you have they slip that thing into the covid uh 
legislation where they push through and they're like, look, you guys got 180 days to release all the information you have about extra extraterrestrials. So yeah. supposedly that shit's all supposed to come out. So you got all this happening. And then not long ago, Bob Lazar, the dude who worked at uh, Area 51 was on there as well. And all of a sudden all this stuff that people used to be shunned for, like talking about all these weird, obscure alien abduction theories and yeah. shit. All of a sudden it's coming to the forefront and you've literally got the government admitting a lot of this stuff is real. And you're just like, holy shit. What was your impression yeah. of that, Pierce? And remember the the one that I told you about too before this. I think about like not last podcast or the podcast war about the uh, intergalactic treaty that we have with aliens. That what? supposedly there's a an intergalactic treaty that we've signed, and it was from a uh, Israeli, I want to say, astrophysicist or something. And yeah, he had all this information. And he wants to leak all this, and people are trying to shut him up too. And yeah, it's Damn. wild. One, I'm gonna need you guys to send me this Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see dude. this episode for sure. But no, for yeah, sure. it it is pretty trippy if you think about like when the government decides to release things for like the public's viewing or public announcements. So always like, why? What's your agenda behind it? Because I I never just think it's because they want to. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. You do wonder, like, what is the what is the motivation for doing it? And he was actually talking about that. Um, what's his name? Travis Walton was talking about that on the episode. He was pointing out that, like, anytime they release big stuff like that, it's always like on a Friday afternoon um, because it gets people. They're happy to be on their weekend getting on to doing shit. They're kind of like in one ear out there like, oh, that's crazy. Aliens. Wow. Anyway, let's crack a brew, bud, you know, and like just move on to your weekend. Uh, so he was talking about how that's really strategic, how they do that. Um, but what was interesting, Mike, was he was saying that he personally felt like he thought uh, secrecy was needed, which is so weird because he's going around, you know, telling his experience like everybody. But at the same <laughs> yeah. time, he's like, he's like, yeah, he thinks there's a it's a, like a national security thing, and he's like, you can't blame the U.S. because they don't want other people to know what we know. Because if if they're still left guessing, that's our best case scenario. Versus if they know exactly yeah. what we already know, um, then we don't know what they know, and they have an advantage. And it's just all this bullshit, really. But um, but I thought it was interesting that that of this dude who goes around talking about this being abducted by aliens yeah. and telling everybody you got to believe me, it's true. And then he's like, yeah, I think the whole thing should stay secret, though, in general. <laughs> Like, well, what? then that one part, the one part that he never talked about that Joe finally got him to get out, you know, and he was like, oh, I'll tell you after the podcast. I'll tell you after. And Joe was like, he was like, why don't you just say it now? He's like, you already said so much wild shit already. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. Why are you holding back at this point? You want to pull stuff off? Okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so crazy. It's just so crazy because it seems, I mean, it seems real. You, you really don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, it's hard to tell when people are bullshitting and when they're not. But listening to him, for sure, the Bob Lazar one's crazy because that dude um, was like a physicist working at, at Area 51, and he had some real inside information. He didn't want to do the show. He was like crazy nervous. I think I think he was drinking or something, right? Didn't they give him something so that he could like calm down because he was I so... forget, but it was his producer of the show, of the movie that they made, the documentary that brought him on to Joe Rogan. Yeah, the Bob Lazar guy. So yeah, yeah well, I'm going to send you some links, Franzo. You got to get deep in this. It's uh it's easy to lose a lot of time <laughs> falling into the holes with this. Well, the stuff. thing about the Bob Lazar that was the strangest was that, you know, he had, um, you know, claimed he had worked for the company, the Area 51 company that he named. And, you know, people said that there was no record of him ever working there. The government said that he didn't work there or anything like that. And then, like, what was it, Tony? Somebody um, 
from back in the day that worked with Bob was like, no, I have an old company directory and it has him in it. And it showed this old company directory with Bob Lazar's name in it. And there's so many little things like that where it's like everybody thinks the guy's full of shit um, and they don't believe him. And he says all these crazy things that are happening. And the guy's like nervous and he's like, I don't even want to talk about this, but it is the truth. This is really what happened. And you find all these little things like this where they're they're intentionally trying to cover it up, where they're like, he never worked here. They tried to erase him from the company. And then only because somebody who had worked with him had this like super old phone directory from back in the day and there he was bob lazar listed right there with a phone number next to it um pretty (laughs) remarkable shit it's wild how much though how far these organizations these companies will go to discredit to hide whatever it is that they're ashamed of you know Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah they talked about that a lot on the episode too they just want to cover this stuff up because they don't you know i don't know what it is what do you think pierce is it, it why are they covering it up is what he's talking about like it's like a national security type of thing or like i guess it, who knows because we don't even know what they know really like yeah well it was like what was the one article i was reading they were talking about how um they're already living amongst us and since we have done the truth that intergalactic treaty if there is too much knowledge of ufos extraterrestrials that we're so feeble-minded that we won't know how to comprehend it and we'll just try to just get rid of them all and go to war and that'll cause everything and i don't know about them living amongst us but i think it sounds legit (laughs) like we're a bunch of savages for sure um can you imagine the technology live amongst us (laughs) (laughs) right they'd be like are you kidding me yeah no (laughs) it'd be like us going out into the wild and be like we're gonna try and fit in with these chimpanzees like no (laughs) trust me our place is is way better um but it is crazy when you think about it because i remember uh in my early days of college and my it was like a basic public speaking class like a speech class um i remember doing my final project on that and it was on uh like the drake's equation drake's yeah it's drake's equation or drake equation i can't remember what it's called now Um, but it's like the estimated number of earth-like planets in the known universe and i remember at the end of the the speech i had like this number rolled up like a scroll and i pinned it on one side of the classroom and then i like pulled it all the way across onto the next wall and then like taped on the other side and i was like that's the number of planets that have the very similar conditions to earth in the known universe and that was a long ass time ago i'm an old dude and that (laughs) that that number's actually gotten way bigger now now that we've um, made discoveries about how large the universe actually is Um, and we still don't fully know that but we know it's much bigger than we used to think Um, and so you realize that and you're just like damn what are the odds that there's not life like there's got to be something out there and then you think about how young our solar system is and all this shit and you're like man there's probably societies out there that uh, maybe if they if they don't kill themselves like maybe we're headed for uh, they're out there for uh, for a really long time and who who can imagine what kind of technology they might have Um, right I think might be this question even what what do we give them you know what what makes us interesting as humans to travel all this way maybe it's a resource you know maybe we have something that they want but i i guess we shall find out soon (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds like it um yeah dude there's some there's some outlandish there's some pretty crazy ideas out there um because i can tell i studied anthropology for a long time that was my major mike knows i had 25 majors i never finished back in the day Uh, but i was i studied anthropology for a long time and that was like a big thing with human evolution was trying to understand like nobody really knows why all of a sudden we just went 
crazy in these directions. Like all of a sudden we started walking on two legs. Our brains got giant, like the shape of our head changed dramatically. They think all that was around the time. All of a sudden we went from very little language to like highly developed language. And then we started developing stone tools and then eventually onto metal and shit like that. Uh, after, after fire really. Um, but no one really knows what caused like the acceleration. And I don't even know if you can call it acceleration because it's like, it's all, it's like saying that there's a, there's a, a desired place to go with evolution. Evolution really just is a product of the environment and what happens. Um, but it's, it is pretty crazy that we changed as a species so dramatically. And then you look now just a few, you know, after thousands of years went from fire till now shit changed radically and like we've overpopulated the earth and like we're destroying the atmosphere and we just got <laughs> we like i told him i always tell mike like if i was an alien looking at the earth i'd be like it looks like a disease at that place like it's got <laughs> all this concrete and metal growing on the surface and shit like what is going on there um but there are people who think that maybe that's what happened is that we were actually our species was like an a like aliens intervened in some way uh and changed the course of our evolution that's what I always would say, man. Remember, that's my whole thing is the whole Egyptian thing, the whole like Colosseum thing, like these intricate details that they have, you know, with buildings and the carvings and everything like that. Like, where are the tools that made all these things? Like, where are the tools at? Like, you know, you can't, you know, find a pulley. You can't find some, you know, some rope and shit that, that, that brought all these things up, like they said, you know. Where are the the logs that they said that you know helped move the the um, stones up the thing? Like you had to have lots of logs, and you know, like it's just yeah. I just think we did have some help or intervening, or even I've said that before is that we ourselves are the aliens, and we figure out a way long time ago how to leave this place, and <laughs> right. time to time. We're just coming to check in on ourselves and see how we're doing. No doubt. I feel like right now, Fran is like, what the fuck did I get into? <laughs> what show <laughs> is this? I'm, I'm chilling back, but I'm so engaged. I'm like, damn, yeah. this is exactly <laughs> what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought of you, Pierce, when they said that on that episode where he was saying, they were saying the possibility that we are actually the aliens in the future coming back to check on ourselves and we've somehow intervened with our own course of evolution. Wow. Wild shit, mind-bending yep. shit. Uh, but the truth is, when you learn more about like physics and the state of the universe, like it really blows your mind. Um, like it doesn't. The world is not what we think it is, and we we think <laughs> it exists within these confines of you know three dimensions, and then we've got arguably a dimension of time but then you get into physics and they're like no there's all these uncoiled dimensions and these are scientists that have like can show this mathematically and you're like wait yeah. what like there's a bunch of little universes everywhere that just haven't really expanded or exploded and mathematically they really could at any time and you're like what <laughs> like that's reality yeah yeah or like you know the whole parallel you know universes and lives and everything you know because every decision, you know, has, has two ways to go. You know, you're either this way or this way. And obviously the one that you're living is the one that you kept on chosen, but there's also that parallel universe where it was chosen this way too. It was, you know, gone the opposite way. Yeah. I have a, do you guys, either one of you watch community or have seen community? Yes, exactly. Yes. Love well, the community. dice. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. So, I believe that we're, we're not in the darkest timeline, but, Maybe the second, second darkest. Pretty damn. <laughs> pretty damn. 
Talk to me about community. What is that, guys? I don't know what that is. It was a show back in the, I want to say the the mid 2010s. No, this was like early 2000s. Okay, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, it was like with, mid, uh, mid 2000s, I said. Yeah, like it was with Joel McHale, Ken Jong, um, Donald Glover, yeah, Danny Pudi. Yep. Yeah, Kevin there was Chase. all yeah, there's all these people uh, on the show, and it was dude, it was funny, but I think like it didn't run its course because like a couple of people left and got fired. Chevy Chase got fired, and the then the show yeah got fired and, for a season. Yep, yep. and then uh, and, the, and the director, the creator, got fired for that one season. And then he came back for season five, um, but the one that really hurt them was when Donald Glover left, and then it was never the same because they had an aspect of the show. Where it was um, uh, uh, him and and, and Pootie together uh, all the time, and it was uh, um, Troy and Abed in the morning, and they had like their own little show that they always messed around with. And there was like no cameras, and it always like they just sat there in like their little study room, and they would like act like it was like a morning show, yeah. and people people would walk by and they'd be like, "There's no cameras." <laughs> like, <laughs> They did like quirky best friend toddler shit. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> like, yeah, let's make let's make some honey today. Okay, let's figure yeah. out how we do that. <laughs> <laughs> they were making like they were making like blanket forts and pillow forts yes. inside the school. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. it sounds good. It it's looks on, like it's, it's actually on Netflix, Tony. If yeah. you want to watch it, dude, I think I will check it out. Totally watch it, dude. It's hilarious because like every season they had a, a season where it was like a ridiculous like contest that like fucked up the school like a couple of times it was like a paintball contest where it was like oh, yes where it was like the last person standing had priority registration <laughs> and they got to register for whatever classes without getting you know kicked out of any of the classes and so yeah it's you need to watch it dude it's funny yeah, it's and it's like based six, and it's based in colorado i was gonna say it's like six best friends uh or like weirdos that become best friends here in colorado community yep. college Yep. It's, hella, it's hilarious. Oh, dude. I'm it's definitely like no gonna... funding at the school, so they have to they build off that. So a lot of the shit is like in-house and yeah. it's over there. <laughs> oh, dude. I'm definitely going to check it out. I saw that it was on Netflix. It looks funny. It's got a lot of funny people in it. Uh, I don't know how Oh, yeah. Dude, it's hilarious. You remember <clears throat> you remember that, Pierce. I missed a lot of uh, pop culture right around that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was never up on anything, dude. I could not keep up. Uh, yeah. Wild wild stuff um so at some point we're i'm gonna send you those links Franzo. you're gonna have to check it out you're gonna have to come back i also want you to come back uh when you guys are gonna do some kind of performance or something we can go check out me and mike like to get out there especially once things get back to normal it's so weird right now Um, but we'd love to come out and check out a show or um anything like that even if it's before then if you guys do something that's live streamed uh please keep actually um not to cut you off we actually have um a built in, or I don't want to speak too quickly on this, but there's a company called X-Life and they're called X-Life Co. They're coming out here. They're originally from Chicago. Um, They're residential, mostly do housing and development, but they're coming here in Colorado and they're opening up um, an apartment complex slash residency. And they're having an indoor theater, which we've already talked about having shows there with them uh, kind of working in collaboration. So, Definitely when that gets underway, I'll, I'll let you know about that because we should have some shows popping from there. Oh, 100%, dude. We'll have you back on. Uh, me and Mike would like to come out and check out something like that for sure. Um, that'd be fun, dude. Uh, let's I mean, see. I can't wait until, 
I can't wait until, you know, when it's nicer weather and everything, then outdoor venues are going to be like a, a real thing without any kind of capacity restrictions. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Well, and there's a lot of stand-up comedians doing it now. I remember I, I heard Bill Burr talking about it where he was doing like, they do these outdoor shows where people are like in their cars and in the stuff. car. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, was, he was clowning on that though. He's like, they're in their fucking cars and they're just like, maybe they're <laughs> listening the to the radio and not even listening to me. <laughs> Dude, I had the weirdest dream the other day and I was, you just made me think of it because uh, Bill Burr was actually in my dream. You know, it was funny. He was wearing a New Orleans Saints he was like decked out in New Orleans Saints gear, but he's a he's a Patriots fan, so I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, he's from I don't, Boston. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand, but he was like just hanging with us. It was like me, you, him. You had a new house. You were like uh, barbecuing out in the backyard. Hey, um, do you have a new house? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's probably where that came from. I don't know where these dreams come from, these crazy dreams. Uh, but yeah, but it was hilarious, dude, because my dad was there. And so he's like standing on the yard and he's like smoking a joint on your yard. And then I look over at you and you're rolling up a joint too. And I was like, oh, Pierce, really? Oh, that's interesting. And then I was like, I looked at you and you were like, you're like, bro, yeah, thanks to you. I do this every day now. And I was like, no, what, what have I done? It was the weirdest fucking dream, man. Bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no that's that's wild thought i would share that. i always wonder where dreams come from it's like just the unraveling of your subconscious you know some people think that you're just like you're trying to connect it into a coherent coherent story and then some people say nah it's just random shit it's just flashing in your mind and then some people say no it like has deep meaning and all this stuff so that reminds me of like the turbo man um thing you, you remember turbo man the yeah, one yeah. when he's sitting there yeah. talking about uh the sinbad is telling him about his story about his his childhood how he never got the toy that he ever wanted and now sinbad's like this male character that hasn't amounted to anything and then fucking he's imagining his son in a mail carrier outfit, like whining <laughs> about this toy that he didn't get. And he's swigging back some whiskey. <laughs> and then he was like, no, what did I do? That was a, you just had a, a jingle all the way moment, Tony. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Uh, well, man, uh, unless you got something else to cover Pierce, I think uh, I'm feeling pretty solid here. What do you think, buddy? It's been about, yeah, about an hour 17 not too bad went by like uh, really fast we covered everything from uh black actors guild to uh aliens, aliens. taking over <laughs> and tony's weird ass it. dream <laughs> that's kind of atmosphere i'm trying to be in you know <laughs> <laughs> this is my kind of guy right here <laughs> for sure i'd love to have you back man i'd love to have maybe some of your crew at some point too we can have a few people on here right pierce i don't think there's any issues with that no we don't no limit no limit we got that no limit. okay got that zoom that okay. zoom flow that zoom paper okay <laughs> we're gonna splurge on it you guys let me know i'll find the crew a day and we can definitely make it work but yeah i really appreciate y'all having me on um i've listened to y'all before y'all are hilarious so I'm oh that's cool for the first time and i'm waiting for the next one Oh, man. Appreciate that, dude. That's an honor. Thanks for checking out the show. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you back again for sure. Uh, what do you think, Pierce? You want to wrap this thing up or what? Yeah, sir. I think uh, we're all good to go. I think with that dollar, it's a wrap. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Cheers. Hey. Thank you so much for listening to the Mike and Tony show. Just a couple of dudes shooting the shit 
trying to explore Colorado, get to know some cool people. Uh, if you have a guest or a topic you want us to talk about or a person you want us to talk to, hit us up at MikeAndTonyShow at gmail.com. You can also hit us up through our website, TheMikeAndTonyShow.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, wherever. Uh, we are out there. The Mike and Tony Show. Thanks for the support. If you like the episodes, tell somebody. Come check us out. <laughs>